Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Well, good morning, um, and I'm just glad to be able to share God's Word with you. And today we're going to be finishing up our series in uh, questions that God asks us. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Haggai. Chapter one, and gotta be honest, I probably read the book of Haggai a few times, you know, maybe before this, and so it was just good. It's one of the shortest books in um, the Old Testament, and as we enter into the story of Haggai, um, it's important to know that he's an Old Testament prophet, and he's speaking to the Israelites who are now living in Jerusalem after the exile. So they've returned from Babylon um, for over 70 years of being in captivity. Um, And so they've been able to return for the purpose of building the temple and rebuilding the city itself. And so I just want to read, um, start getting into this and read the first four verses. So it's Haggai chapter 1. You can turn there in your Bibles and I'll start reading for us. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? And here we get a glimpse. What are the Israelites doing? Well, first off, they're saying it's not time yet, right? It's not time to build a temple. And when I thought about this, um, I was thinking, man, these people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, even though they know what they're supposed to do. And it reminded me of a time um, when me and Brooke were talking last night about when we were at school together, and I have permission uh, to use this picture So um, when I throw it up there. So, Adam, you can throw this picture up there. Oh, it's a little dark. Um, okay, that's not working back. <laughs> but basically, this is Brooke and her roommates, okay? And the picture itself, which is super dark, is they had used tape uh, on their noses to like tape their faces up. And in this situation right now, we had already been talking and she's like, man, I got like this paper to do. I have all this homework to do. And all of a sudden I'm on like Facebook. I had already finished my work and stuff. But anyway, and, I, <laughs> and I'm looking at it and this picture pops up. I'm like, what the heck? And then Adam, you can throw the next picture up. It's going to be a little smaller. Um, and this is the conversation we had. So that's the picture up top. And then I go, don't you have a bunch of homework to do? Dot, dot, dot. And Brooke said, yep, I sure do. It didn't last long, meaning the tape nose thing. But man, it was fun. I think it was more fun because I knew I had stuff to do. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so (laughs) when I think about this idea of like, man, we have so much stuff we know we should be doing, right? A lot of times we don't do it. You can call it procrastination. You can call it whatever you want. But like um, the people of Israel, Brooke was literally just wasting time. Like she knew, and she got her work done, you know, in the end. But there's more to it for the Israelites. It's so much more complex than just like procrastinating, putting something off. And this is because the construction had begun over 15 years earlier on the temple. 
but it was halted due to some opposition. There is people on the outskirts, Samaritans, who um, basically went to the king, complained that they were trying to build the temple. He wrote a law, and they had to stop building the temple. And so they basically were like, all right, we can't do it. Fifteen years later, they haven't even touched the temple. They haven't even got back to it. The temple lays unfinished for the years before Haggai. And the Lord comes in, and he speaks through Haggai, and his response is this question. In verse 3, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Or to frame it another way, are your houses more important than your allegiance to God? It wasn't just the opposition faced years ago. That was the reason for the temple never being constructed. God's people were focused on their own homes, on themselves, instead of the house of the Lord. And this wasn't right in the eyes of the Lord. That's why he comes and speaks through Haggai. I want to continue and and read verses 5 and 6 here. So after the Lord asked that question to them, he says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink and you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. The Lord is challenging the people in Israel or in Jerusalem to look at how they're living, to consider the ways in which they're living. While his house lies in ruins, right? He lists these things. They've sown much and harvested little. They've been farming. They have no food. They're eating food, but they're eating to, or they're not having enough, right? They keep eating and they're never full. They're never satisfied. They're drinking, but they're never having their fill. They're clothing themselves, but nobody's warm. He's using these as metaphors to describe the way they're living. And lastly, he says, you're earning wages, but it's all going to waste. The people were focused on their own personal gain and none of it was satisfying them. And I think about like, my own life or, or, or our lives when we work and we do things. And a lot of times I think we work for our own gain um, to only feel unsatisfied. The other day I was chatting with one of my neighbors and we were just, he was coming home from work and I'm leaving to go somewhere. And um, he just asked, you know, how, how long do you usually work or, you know, things like that. And he says, you know, well, man, I usually work like 90 hours, 90 to 100 hours a week. And that just blew my mind. I mean... That is crazy. You know, he's working 90, 100 hours a week. And I've had many conversations, but uh, a lot of times it just feels like he is unsatisfied. And there's reasons for that. <laughs> but um, when I think of how much he's working, a lot of times we work and we do these things, whether it's a job or whether it's at home or whatever you're thinking right now in your mind. And it leaves us feeling unsatisfied, like the Lord is saying to the people in Jerusalem. And the Lord's challenge is this. He says, consider your ways. And what he means by this is that he wants us to look into the motives of our hearts. He wants us to look into the motives of our hearts to see why we're doing what we're doing. Because our hearts really dictate what we really desire, what we really want most in life. And the Israelites weren't building the temple, but they were coming up with excuses, right? The Lord says, that the people say it's not time to build the temple. They're just making up excuses. And all the while focusing on themselves 
And they showed that their ways were not what the Lord had desired of them, right? Otherwise, 16 years earlier, they would have just kept building the temple and finished it. And their hearts weren't in the right place. And I think this morning, um, when we think about these things, it's important to know that God knows our hearts and why we're doing what we're doing. He knows the innermost part of our beings. He created us, right? But he wants us to come to see that our own actions show what's in our hearts. That's important. We need to be aware of how we're living, what we're doing. These things stem from the heart, what we desire most. And this is what he does with the people living in Jerusalem. Because in verses 7 through 11, we see why all the people's efforts are in vain. So let's turn to verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. There it is again, right? It's pretty important. Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. All the things he listed before. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land, in the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast, and on all their labors." It's so interesting that um, the people are working in vain, right? And he's saying you're not satisfied. It's coming up empty. And then when the Lord gives reason why he should build the temple, it's for his own glory, his own pleasure. And then he gives them a reason why they're struggling so much. It's because he's done it to them. He has withheld dew. He's made the ground hard to work. He's kept all these things from them. And that's because they weren't putting him first. God wants us to put his work first in our lives so that he's glorified in it and that he is the priority. That was the biggest issue for the people in Israel. So he asked this question, why are you dwelling in your paneled houses while my house is in ruins? Because he wants them to think about the reasons why, right? Why are you guys doing this? You're coming up with excuses. It's not time yet. It's not time to do this or that. But he's pointing it out to them. He's making them struggle in their work and all these things to show them that he needs to be put first in their lives. He should be the ultimate priority in their lives. From the outside, you wouldn't have been able to tell if the Israelites were living for the Lord or not because they weren't putting him first. His temple was in ruins and it wasn't visible that he was their priority. It has to be visible. So where are the places in your own life where putting God first is not visible? How do you show that God's presence is a priority in your own life? That's important. How is God's presence a priority in your life? And so the Lord asked to consider your ways. And when I was thinking about this, I thought, man, for my own life, there's really like, there's three big, there's a whole bunch of ways and and areas we could kind of pull this into, right? But I thought about uh, money, time, and then service. (laughs) And when I think about money, like when I consider my ways and my own money and and the things I do, it reminded me of a story when I was at school about five or six years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, in Visible, in uh, Visible Music College, which is funny because God wants us to 
show that we're, you know, he's a priority and he's visible in his life. Anyway, and when I was there, I was a broke college kid. And this is my last year at school. I'm already in debt <laughs> because I'm in school. And um, I was working at this uh, this restaurant, this Irish pub downtown, like the jo- only job I could get. I'm cleaning dishes and stuff like that. And at the time, I was saving actually for a ring, <laughs> which probably wasn't the smartest because I had no money to begin with. <laughs> and then I started to feel convicted. At the same time, I decided that this year, I'm going to start going to the same church. I kind of skipped around and led worship at different places. But I decided I'm going to go to the same one um, just every week and, and get plugged in there. And when I was there, as I'm working, I started to feel extremely convicted because I wasn't giving like my actual money to the Lord and um, I came up with the reasons why, you know, well, I'm broke, Lord. You don't want me to be in debt. I'm already in debt, you know. I, I, It's not time yet. You know, all these kind of reasons. But the conviction was too strong. And so I remember when I made the choice to be uh, just obedient to the Lord speaking to my heart, um, and I started to give. And it's funny because I would get, like, tipped out at the end of the night by waitresses and whoever. And it would be, like, maybe $30, $40 on a good night. And I was using that to buy food. Like, the rest of my money I saved. I was using that to buy food. I decided, like, I'm, this is the amount um, that's 10%. I'm going to start tithing that. So on Sundays, I showed up, and I just put, it was a lot of cash of ones and fives. Like, it's huge come. I just start putting it in. Um, and it was extremely difficult, and I probably didn't do it every week, and it was hard, but the transformation that took place in my own heart was incredible. And I think, like, man, my own obedience and just choosing to put God first in my money, in, in that way of my life, changed me completely. And I, And the biggest thing for me was, man, if I don't do this now, when am I ever going to do it, right? It, if I don't do it when I have nothing, then am I even going to do it when I have something? <laughs> and so, like, money is so closely tied to our hearts. And Jesus talks about this constantly with the disciples and in the synagogues, where where your you know heart or where your money is or your heart is, right? And and these type of things. And so, it's important, I think, for us in our own ways that we all are involved with money, right? That's just how our world is set up. You need to have, and that's why Jesus addresses it. But it's important to think, like, consider the ways in which you're putting God first and how you're stewarding your money. What does that look like for you? And then we think about our own time. How do we use our own time effectively? How do we put God first in our time? And just more recently, um, Brooke and I worked on a music project this past summer. Um, and... Uh, we, we did a CD and it was a lot of fun, but it was a ton of work. And to be honest, like we didn't want to do it <laughs> because we knew how much work it was. But we've had people speak into our lives over the last years um, about writing songs and doing these things. And so we decided at the beginning of the year, hey, we're going to make a goal um, and let's just record like a song and end up being more than that, uh, which is nice. But the point all this isn't that we did this thing but it's that the time it took to do it wasn't easy to use that um, for this reason, if that makes sense. It, it took out a bunch of Saturdays um, in the summer, and it took out time in our own lives and things that a lot of times are like, man, we wish we were doing something else other than this. But we felt like, because people had spoken into our lives, because we felt like God really was pushing us in this direction, that we should use our time to honor the Lord in this, to put him first in our time. 
And then lastly, uh, serving. And um, when I think about serving, and I am talking about it in terms of our Christian life, like what does it look like to serve as a Christian? I think it's important to note that like maybe the timing isn't right for certain ways of serving, right? We have an Argentina mission uh, team that's going to be going there in November. And maybe it wasn't the year for you to go on a trip. Maybe it's not time for you to do a certain ministry to serve in children's ministry or uh, worship team or in behind the scenes or whatever that looks like. But I think there's other ways that exist in our own lives to prioritize the Lord in our daily lives, right? Like, what does it look like to serve your neighbor, to love on your neighbor? What does it look like to take time out of your day um, to maybe give them a meal or just to say hi and have a two-second conversation, which is really difficult. But what does it look like to serve the Lord in your own Christian life? People will see our good deeds in serving, and that will point them to Him. And that's important. I'm not just talking about serving for your own self, because what God says about the temple, the reasons for building it, is that He takes pleasure in it and He's glorified in it. That's important. Our reasons for serving, our reasons for um, considering our ways and money and time and putting God first is so that He can take pleasure in it and He's glorified in it because it's worship to Him. And worshiping Him requires obedience. Are you obeying the Lord by putting Him first in other areas of your life? Your family, uh, church life, your work life, relationships, friends, Co-workers, in your hobbies, all the areas of your life should include God first and foremost as the priority. And I think um, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 25 to 33, really help highlight this idea of putting God first. Jesus is talking to a crowd of his disciples, and he begins to address them here in um Chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We must make God's kingdom and his righteousness a priority before anything else. And all these things will be given to us. If the people in Haggai have put God first and built his house, 
God would have blessed them in all their needs and they would have received from him instead of being left unsatisfied, instead of being left empty. Obedience and putting God's God first in our life leads to blessing. But faith, unfaithfulness will lead to ruin like the temple. And the temple in Haggai was being left to ruin. And this is a picture of our own lives. Because a decaying temple represents a decaying relationship with God and His people. So what does your own temple look like? What does your life look like? If in Jesus Christ our lives have become the temple in which He he dwells and takes pleasure in through our hearts, then is yours being built up And are you making God's presence a priority or is it falling apart? Does God even have access to your own heart to build him up? I'm asking a lot of questions on purpose because questions should lead us to just think about and contemplate like what is going on in my own life? Because we should seek the answers to these questions. And at the the, um, middle of all this is our own hearts. And I talked about in the beginning with the Israelites and, and, and them not putting God first and, and their desire not building the temple stemmed from what their heart really desired. It desired themselves. It desired their own paneled houses, whatever that looked like, marketplaces, whatever else they're building instead of what God wanted them to do. God didn't even have access to their hearts. They weren't responding to him. So does God have access to your own heart to build it up? We fool ourselves, this is the thing, we fool ourselves into thinking our relationship with God is all good because we know in our heads He loves us. We know that He'll forgive us. But He wants us to prioritize Himself in everyday lives. And this requires action on our own part. Are you putting the work in to make God a priority? The simple things in our Christian lives, like reading the Bible, (laughs) Praying, loving those around you with the love of Christ, being a part of the body of Christ, all these things are parts of a Christian lifestyle that we should be doing and not just doing to do to check off a list, but doing it because we want to put God first. We want to worship him and we want God to receive the glory in all these things. Uh, just recently, I was able to go on the men's boot camp trip. Um, which was the beginning of September. Um, and it was really powerful. It was fantastic. Um, a couple guys from here went, and it was a lot of fun. And as I thought about this idea, one of the things that really struck my heart on this trip was the idea of battling um, spiritually on behalf of your family. What I mean by that is specifically for me through prayer, I felt really convicted that I haven't been uh, fighting for my family, for my wife, for um, my nine-month-old, um, who's asleep, thank you, Diane. <laughs> I haven't been fighting for them um, through prayer, and specifically like spiritual warfare. It's, it's real, and the enemy wants nothing less than to pull us away from God, to uh, create dissonance and, and conflict in our families. And one of the things they talk about is like, there's a battle to fight in our lives. There's a battle to fight. It's real. There's an enemy. Um, the good news is we have the victory now and at in the end through Jesus Christ, but we still have to do work. We still have to fight. And so for me, it's praying like for the Lord to protect my family. 
It's praying for me to actually stand up and, and do the work of um, guiding my family spiritually and um, leading us in prayer or, or uh, encouraging us to love our neighbors and it, like Christ uh, loves his church and these things. And um, I think it's funny because the excuse for not doing these things is the same that they were using thousands of years ago when they were trying to build the temple. It's not time yet. Nothing's changed. Thousands of years later, we still use that excuse. God, I know you want me to do these things, but it's not time yet, God. It's not time yet because we need to finish that bathroom remodel in our house. Our kids have have practice every single night of the week. My job is just weighing down on me. It's extremely difficult at home with the kids. But God understands because I'm busy with these other things. He understands that, right? We can always think of an excuse, and most of it is just us not wanting to do it. And God is telling us that the time is now. This is what he said to the people in Haggai. This is what he's saying to us now. God speaks to them, but it still translates to us. Time is now to put God first in your life so that he takes pleasure in it, that he's glorified in it. So how are you putting God first in your own life? It's as simple, like even speaking it, it just feels like a simple message, but I feel convicted because there's so many areas that I'm like, man, I haven't been putting God first in my own life. But I think we complicate it. We make it more than it actually is like the people in Israel did. They just had to build the temple, but they didn't want to. They wanted their houses and things like that. They could have finished the temple and then built their houses. (laughs) The temple took about four or five years when they actually did it to complete versus waiting 16 years. But God says the time is now. And so as I just conclude here, I want to pray for us. Um, And maybe in this time of prayer, just start to think, how are you putting God first? How are you going to put God first in your life? What are the areas where you're like, man, I just have not been putting him first in my prayer life, putting him first in my relationship with my friends, my family, my spouse, um, whatever that looks like. Lord Jesus, this morning, Father, we've read um, your words that you've spoken through Haggai. God, is, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while my house lies in ruins? God, you spoke to the people in Jerusalem addressing their hearts, Lord. What did they desire most? What were they putting first most in their lives? And we know it wasn't um, you, but in the rest of the book, we see how they change their ways, Lord, and they gather together and build the temple, and it is glorifying to you, God. It didn't just stay ruined. They built the temple, Lord. I pray that by your strength, God, in our own lives, we would be able to put you first, Lord, that we would be able to look to you, to trust in you, so that you can build our temples, our lives up, Lord, from the ruins. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us strength to do this. It's something we can't do on our own. The work we do to put you first isn't something we do for ourselves or on our own. It's by your Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus Christ and it's worship to you, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us in this. 
Lord, I pray that we would be intentional to put you first, God. And we wouldn't just um, brush this to the side, but actually think about in our own lives, where are the areas where we can put you first, God? And as we turn to communion, Lord, this in itself is a chance to put you first in our lives. God, to acknowledge that we've been transformed and changed by the blood in the, the body of Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins, Lord, and who was resurrected. And we now have new life and can have new life through Jesus Christ, Lord. It's a chance to put you first in our hearts, in our minds, and to physically do it, Lord. So God, we, we give our lives to you this morning. We pray you'd lead us and guide us. Or we pray that the words in Haggai wouldn't um, be thrown out, but rather ring true and stick with us, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.